after Jesus was born, his earthly parents were careful to obey the laws of Leviticus 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. As in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And so, even before the young family returned to Nazareth, while they were still in Bethlehem, the birthplace of David, the ancient ritual of Brith was performed on the eight-day-old Savior. Leviticus continues with more instruction specifically for the mother. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for thirty-three days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. There could be nothing further that could be done until the fullness of time expired. Then, from Luke 2, beginning in verse 22, And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The first law of the Lord to which the physician refers here points to Passover in Exodus 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. The second law returns to Leviticus, continuing in verse 5. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether a male or a female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. There were two reasons for traveling to the temple in Jerusalem. The purification of Mary had to be completed through atonement. Jesus, as firstborn, was to be sanctified 
as the possession of God. Given the humble circumstances of Jesus' incarnation, the atonement for Mary would be offered by two turtle doves or two pigeons. A lamb was beyond their earthly means, but not beyond their spiritual means. The sanctification of this very special newborn would have two very special guests. From Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The presence of the Holy Spirit in Simeon is rare at this time. David, in Psalm 51, prayed that he not be removed from him. Isaiah in chapter 63, recalled the presence in the midst of the Israelites and how he was grieved by their rebellion. The Holy Spirit, as we have read, suddenly became very important to the conception of our Lord. We do not know how long the Spirit was with Simeon, but we do know what was revealed to him. Simeon would be alive when the Messiah made his appearance. Most significant to Simeon is the fact that he would see him. Continuing in verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Here we have a meeting completely arranged by God, driven by two distinct, seemingly unrelated motives. Mary and Joseph were at the temple to fulfill the law. Simeon was there solely at the direction of the Holy Spirit. The very instant Simeon recognized the infant as Messiah, he was driven to take three acts of worship. He took baby Jesus into his arms. It was absolutely necessary for Simeon to eliminate any distance between him and the Messiah the anointed Son of God. He blessed God. 
O Lord our God, King of the universe, blessed are you for making it possible for me to greet my Savior face to face. Or words to that effect. He spoke the words of his worship in his own personal psalm. First, he acknowledged the faithfulness of his God, releasing Simeon from his earthly presence. Second, he recognized Jesus as the Lord's salvation. Third, he recognized God's sovereignty in preparing this extraordinary revelation to all mankind. Then, Simeon acknowledged a couple of remarkable aspects to the Messiah's arrival. He quoted the prophet Isaiah from a number of places, most notably chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, Darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Finally, Simeon saw the Shekinah in the face of the infant. Mary and Joseph were experiencing still a number of aftershocks to the sun's rising. Continuing in verse 33, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. Then Simeon exhibited the gift of prophecy. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. To the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Any mother of a son less than two months old would have to react with extreme mixed emotions. On the one hand, the affirmation of her own song, spoken by her during that early visit with Elizabeth, must have thrilled her. On the other hand, such a dire prediction of dark foreboding must have given her a puzzling sense of mourning. But wait, there's more. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day 
with fastings and prayers. While Simeon was called righteous and devout, Luke is much more specific about Anna. She is named a prophetess. She lived as a widow for 77 years. With the spiritual significance given to the number seven in Scripture, living as Anna did for 70 plus seven years is notable at least. She was continually in the temple, serving night and day. Throughout all this time, she fasted and prayed. As a prophetess, she knew specifically what she was asking. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna devoted all those years of prayers and fasting to one arrival, the one she recognized as having been realized that very day. The shepherds were the first to receive word of the birth of the Savior, but their witness may have been somewhat diminished by their credentials, not to mention the venue where they welcomed the Christ child. The first two witnesses, Simeon and Anna, received their revelation in the house of the Lord. And at least Anna was recognized as one in a long line of prophets. This one who continued to speak of the Messiah's arrival. For now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.